Brooklyn. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? How is everybody doing on this crisp November morning? I'll tell you, I wasn't expecting that weather to drop as it did. Well, they had been predicting it the whole time, so that's not exactly true. I guess I was expecting it, but even though you're expecting something, when it comes sometimes, you're kind of surprised when you get it. That's how I felt, uh... Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. But actually this morning too. This morning is actually warmer than yesterday. Because when I went out yesterday, it was a bit, it was really, it was really chilly. So I guess this is going to be what we can expect when winter finally comes in. So like I said, good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, I want to Get my housekeeping out the way as I usually do, which is 
We're going to talk about the me bottle. After more than a year of dreaming, researching, experimenting, late night conference calls, and early morning meetings, the me team is happy and proud to present to you the me bottle. This double insulated, usable stainless steel bottle disinfects water in a 60-second cycle utilizing UVC LED technology and is 99.99% effective against E. coli. A single charge via a micro USB lasts up to 30 days and the bright LED display lets you know when the water is ready to drink. Join us in bringing clean water to all. Raise your bottle and drink to you and me. Find out more at mebottle.com. So, getting back with the weather, I dressed appropriately, or what I thought I was doing dressing appropriately. I wore a sweater this morning, and since I drive, I wear a sweater, but I don't wear a, a really heavy sweater because I don't have to walk that far from where I park to get into the station because I'm the first thing here in the morning opening up the station for Sunday. Hallelujah. I park right right in front. So I come in so I'm, I don't really have to wear that much. But I just wore a, a sweater top today. And needless to say, the heat in this place is pumping. I am like, okay, I didn't have to wear all this. Last week I wore a t-shirt and it was fine. But last week it wasn't as cold as this morning, so I wasn't sure. But now I know I, I can come in here with a T-shirt and I would be fine. But today, I think I have an interesting topic for us to discuss. And I think it's very relevant and timely because of everything that's going on. Um, today, I want to talk about why are people leaving the church? And when I say leaving the church and when I say people, let's, let's back up a little bit. When I say why are people leaving the church, the people that I'm referring to are millennials. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Why are millennials leaving the church? So I came across an article, and of course it was from the, the Pew Research. I seem to always find all these articles from the Pew Research. I don't know that they're coming from the Pew Research until I start reading the article, and then when after I get into it and I look at, okay, well, who wrote this? It's usually the, the Pew Research. That's where I got my article about the, they always, they always doing surveys to figure out what's going on with um, society. So this article was um, put together by the Pew Research. And what they stated in the article was that millennials are leaving, they're leaving the church. And when they said they're leaving the church, it's not like as if they were members and then they decided, okay, I'm not going to go back. It's actually a number of millennials don't even bother to attend, not just church, but synagogue or mosque or any type of religious uh, building or trying to follow any type of um, religious beliefs. They're, uh, they're, they're turning away from that. And it says that they're, um, well, let me just start from the top of the, let's start from the top of the, the story. 
Okay, right now, they describe millennial. First, let me tell you what is the demographic of a millennial because I had to look that up because sometimes the, the, the years vary. And I'm going to tell you what I found as far as we're going to start with what is the all the generations and what they're called. Let's start with that so then we know where these people are placed when it comes to when we're talking about the population. So now from... 1900 to 1924, they were called the GI generation. From 1925 to 1945, they were called the silent generation. From 1946 to 1964, they were called the baby boomers. 1965 to 1979, they're called Generation X. 1980 to 2000, they're millennials or Generation Y. 2000 to present day are known as New Silent Generation or Generation Z. Okay, so you see where the millennials fall. The millennials fall between the Generation X and the new popula- the new silent generation, Generation Z. So I'm thinking... The millennials are the kids of the Generation X, which would have been the kids of the baby boomers. So if we do that in the timeline to look at what was happening here, just in in the world, baby boomers... They they equate everything with a baby boomer. So baby boomers, they were the ones that, I guess if you really want to put it in any type of terms, I guess they gave us life. <laughs> they gave the rest of us life because um, everything that, that has had any impact on us present day has started from a baby boomer. You figure computers with Microsoft. Bill Gates, baby boomer. You got Steve Jobs, God rest his soul. Apple, baby boomer. Oh, you know who I wanted to look up to see? And I'm sure he probably does fall into this category as well. But before I say his name, let me look. Let me just look before I say something and I'm wrong. But it wouldn't surprise me if it was the truth. So let me just see before I say anything. Well, yeah, he's on the cusp. Amazon man, he's on the cusp. He just squeaked in because if they say the years, he's in the age like 55. So if they do the years as being up until 1964, yeah, he would have fell into that baby boomer range. Yeah, him too. Okay, so. We see all the giants that have formed what we now call technology and we're all excited and we live to die for. They all came from the baby boomers. So out of the baby boomers, then we had the Gen X. So the Gen X, um, they weren't saying too much. I guess they were going through whatever they were going through, dealing with their parents being these entrepreneurs because you gotta you got to figure as their parents are making all these discoveries and putting all their time into these new technologies that we are now using, 
these kids were running around, going to school, same thing, you know, happening. They're just there as their parents are doing these things. So now their kids, the millennials, they're the ones now that are not really interested in uh, going to any type of uh, any type of religion. So now we get back to what the article is talking about. They're, they describe millennials as, now actually this article was actually written by a millennial, but I guess she wrote it for the Pew Foundation and she got her information from what they had put together as they do their studies and surveys. So right now, millennials don't have time. This is from a millennial now. Millennials don't have time to relax or think, but they like to sleep. Okay. They're less interested in television than their parents were. They're not really into, they're not big on taking vacations with the family. They're not big on weddings or carpooling. I guess unless it's a, well, no, because even the Uber age now, that's not a millennial. That's a, a Gen Z person. So this whole Uber thing with them is a Gen Z type of thing. Okay, so they're not interested in carpooling. And they're definitely not interested in going to church. Or they were in the beginning maybe, but now they've turned away. So now this survey was taken in October. And it says, although that they, although millennials work longer hours and are highly educated, they're not interested in religious activities. The research center found that among the millennials, which is the age 23 to 38, two-thirds stated that they attend some type of worship service a few times or less a year. And when I see a few times a year, I'm thinking the major holidays, Easter, Christmas, Good Friday. That's on the Christian calendar. Um, I guess they would Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, you know, the ones that are the big holidays for everybody that they go into the, the church for their, their religious, you know, place of worship for, they would attend those. But now, four out of ten say that they seldom or never go. So, that means there's some that's not even going on the, the major holidays. And with that, if you think about it, if they're not attending service, and they're not going to anything where they would get some type of moral instruction or... And not saying that they have to be beat over the head with this information, but if they've already taken prayer and religious instruction out of the schools, and that means the kids aren't getting it at home because their parents aren't talking of anything or even attending even once in a while. Now, see, they didn't say whether they had it on their televisions, though. See, that's the thing, too. Just because they're not attending physically, that doesn't mean that, well, since they're not interested in television, it would be safe to assume that they're not watching it on television either because it said that they were less interested in television than their parents. So if they're not watching TV 
for just regular shows, I doubt they're going to turn on the TV to watch a church service or any type of worship service. So here's what they're doing. Here's what they're doing to replace, because we all know, as I say all the time, and I'll probably continue to say, as long as you hear my voice over the air, we're all here for a purpose. Nobody's just here to take up space. And although you might be, now let, let, me, let me back up, because I can't say what your purpose is. I don't, I don't believe. This is just my own. I haven't read it anywhere that it said that we, there are people here that's just their purpose is to take up space. That I haven't read that. I don't, I don't see that any place in the Bible. I'm saying for myself, maybe that is your purpose. Maybe your purpose is to be here, to take up space, to promote others, to pursue their purpose. I don't know. But even if that's your purpose, you still have a purpose. You still have to be doing something. That still requires you to do something. Even in your doing nothing, you're still doing something. So I will go back to what I say all the time. Everyone is put here for a purpose. And in doing that purpose, in seeking that purpose and then fulfilling that purpose, that means we have to put something into motion. So, and that also means that when you get the feeling over, when you finally come to the realization that you're not just here or let me rephrase that. Since I did say that the, your purpose could be just to be here. Um, Whenever you get the realization that you know that there has to be something else that you should be doing, even if it is just being here, but not just being here without thinking about, oh, I'm here. But when you start to think about, oh, gosh, why am I here? Everybody has that. So that means that void within you has to be filled. That's the way we were created. And that void was supposed to be filled with him, Jesus Christ. But if they're not filling it with if they're not filling it with um, any type of um, religious um, understanding or studies, what are they filling it with? They're filling it with astrology. They're filling it with spiritualism, which is their answer to there is a higher power. And they're also filling it. Now, understand this. They're also filling it with video games. Now, it's stated in this article that millennials play more video games than non-millennials as a form of evoking inner peace. Like, I guess when they play these video games, they're, they're comforted. They, it relieves their stress because, believe it or not, millennials are the highest stressed group. They worry the most. And could it be because they're constantly on? Okay, I look at it as with technology, as we talked about from before, with all the technology that we have, that we utilize, that we have at our fingertips, it, isolate, it actually isolates us as individuals. Although we may have Instagram and we, we text each other and they have the Snapchat and all these other things that you could get on Twitter and Facebook – when you're typing and you think that you're communicating with people because everybody's liking your picture, or you're really not interacting with anyone. Because when they like that picture, like me personally, I don't stay on Facebook every day. 
I might, if I have to remember, I get on it more often now because of the show. But before, if I, if I had a Facebook page, but in the beginning it was cute. Yeah, I was on it all the time. But then after you start living your life, you don't have time to sit down and look at Facebook and Instagram all day long. I mean, if you're looking at that all the time, that means you're doing nothing else but looking at that because it consumes your time. It's almost like watching television. You can, if you binge watch a show, you'll notice that after a couple of episodes, you're so engrossed in watching the show. When you look at the time, it's like, oh my gosh, two hours have gone by already and all I did is sit here and watch this show because you're so engrossed in it. It's the same thing with technology and the social media, the social media apps. So... If they're constantly on social media apps, that means that they're not interacting with actual human beings. And that's what going to um, a religious, a, a religious organ, uh, when you go into a, a worship service, that's what it, when you go into a worship service, you're going into the worship service, yes, to give praise and honor to the God that you serve, but you're also there to interact with other human beings. Because the Bible stated clearly when he saw Adam by himself that he shouldn't be alone. And he made a woman for him, yes. But just thinking about people in general, no one should be alone. Someone should always have someone else to interact with. Even if it's the man in the corner store that's selling you coffee every morning, you still need that interaction of talking to someone to keep your sanity. I mean, when you're just alone in your own thoughts, and especially if your own thoughts aren't in the direction that leads you to doing things that are moral, you go crazy and you'll be crazy. You'll be the one walking in the street acting crazy because you can't be alone. You, you should not be alone. We weren't, we are not wired to be alone. So with that, if the millennials are so engrossed in social media, that means they're already isolating themselves because the only way to communicate with each other is through text. So even with text, you can't hear someone's, their voice, their inflection in their voice, like when they say something. So when you write it on, when you typing a text, you don't know if it's a question unless they put a question mark. And I guess if you're following the conversation, you can take it as, well, they're asking me a question, but it could just be, it's just random words that's just written. And when you go to a church service, even if you're even if I've noticed, well, I'll go to, I will visit other people's churches and because they'll invite me and I'll be like, oh, could you, you know, come by. I want you to hear this pastor or someone that I know will be speaking. And I'll say, oh, let me go hear them speak. When you walk into a church service, even if you're not familiar with what the customs of that house is, you know, you go in, you sit down, someone's greeting you, they sit you down. Even if you sit there the whole entire time without saying a word to anyone, which is crazy because you will say at least one or two words to someone, even if it's excuse me because you have to pass them as you get in and out of the pew, or even if it's I'm sorry because as you put your bag on the, the pew or as you're reaching down in your bag to get a pen because you really want to make note of what the speaker is saying, or even if it's just, excuse me, could you give me one of those? Because the usher passed your aisle and you didn't get a pamphlet of some sort or your tithing envelope, whatever it is, you will have interaction with someone 
in that congregation. And I'm not saying that you have to sit there and you're exchanging numbers, but there is some sort of interaction. So even with that and sitting there hearing whatever the speaker is saying, absorbing it, absorbing it into your spirit, believing it or not believing it, you know, weighing it in your own mind. When you leave there, you still feel as if you've been filled. And I'm not saying filled because of what the speaker said. It could be because of what the speaker said. But mostly because you were around other individuals. And even the little bit, the slightest bit of interaction, even if it was just a smile as you walk to sit down, is this seat taken? And they smile. Oh, no, you can sit here. It's still an interaction. So if they're not getting this interaction and the only interaction that they're getting is at work. And I say it because it's not like they're not interacting with anyone because they are interacting with people. Don't get me wrong. They're not just, I mean, how could they not interact? They're going to work. They're saying that they, they're working longer hours. They're highly educated. So that means that they had to interact when they were in school, when they were doing their, their studies, their learning, unless they took them online. But even with that, if they had a, online webinar where they had to look at the teacher. But if they didn't, then even that was another form of isolation that they put themselves through. But any type of, they are interacting with other people, but it's not the type of interaction that they need in order to fill that void that God created in us, which would make us seek him. And that interaction that he saw that Adam needed when he said it's not good for man to be alone. The interaction that they get at work, that's not the, that's not the fulfillment that they need to get that they would get if they were in a worship service. It's different. It's different. Cause when you're at work, you go to work, you do what you have to do. You're either taking orders or giving orders. You either following instruction or giving instruction. Um, and it's just something that you're doing. And if some of us are so good at our jobs, we've been there so long. And if you have a job, I say, is, which is different from a career, because when you have a career, it's something that you're constantly wanting to. This is my definition, just my definition, something that you're constantly wanting to expand. And, you know, this is where your passion lies. You know, I always wanted to do this. My career is I'm a brain surgeon and. I just love cutting into people's heads and removing tumors. And I just love to see the different discoveries or where this tumor may be placed. Can I get at it? Can I not get, it? you know, all that stuff. But when you have a job, you don't look at it like that. When you have a job, you don't look at it. Oh, I'm a brain and I'm trying to, it excites me that, oh, I'm going to do surgery again. No, when you have a job, you're going there, you're doing what you got to do because, you know, I need to do this to pay the bills. So. If you have a, if they're at work and they have a job, yeah, they might interact with some people there at work. But for the most part, those people that are at work are not really going to be their best friends unless they really don't have anybody in their life. Because I know people who usually have jobs, they make friends on the job, but they don't tell people on the job their, their business. They don't get personal with these people. It depends on how long you've worked with them. Some of you might. You might develop with one or two people a connection where you can, but there's still always that, mm, let me keep that distance because I work with you type of attitude. 
But when you're in a worship service, in the beginning, you start out as, "Mm, let me keep my distance because I really don't know you. And, you know, I'm not sure about you. You know, I don't I don't want you. I don't want to let you into my personal space. But when you know that you go to that worship service because you are broken down. And there is no place else that you can go. It's like those people then become your glue, your bond, your strength, especially if there's somebody else there that's going through the same thing that you're going through. That's where you start building that connection. And it becomes more than just hearing what the speaker is saying. It's not only hearing what the speaker is saying, which is, He's bringing you the word of God, which is speaking into your life as to what you need for the moment. But you can then also go to the next person who has also probably walked down that road before. So when they see that when that word came forth, that you broke down in tears because it was the message that you needed at that particular moment, they connected with you. So that person then becomes the person that can come to you and comfort you. And it could be a complete stranger. You've never laid eyes on this person before. But at that moment, when that connection is made, this person now can possibly become your person. Your person as far as, you know what? If there's nothing else, I know I could go to this person when I'm feeling this way and they can help me deal with this. And I say that to say, um, I went to, and this has happened to me on several occasions. It's happened to me and mostly it's happened to me where it was places that I was reluctant to go. It was in my spirit to go. But then I was wavering him and harm back and forth. Should I go? Shouldn't I go? I'm not really going to get anything from it. All right. If I miss this, if I miss this one, I'll catch the next one. You know, you, you tell yourself these things. Well, I tell myself these things because me, number one, I don't like to fly. I just put it out there. And for those of you who know me, you know, planes are not my best friend. I love a plane. They're, they're nice for everyone else. But if I could avoid getting on them, I'm even happier. And it's strange. I've been flying since I was like four or five years old, and I never liked it then, and I still don't like it now. I've become more accustomed to it. I still have the same fears that I had as that four-year-old getting on that plane. And But that's a whole other story for a whole other show. But anyway, so when I have to travel someplace, it, it, I'm like, oh, uh, I'm apprehensive. Oh, if I have to take a plane, I don't know. Then I'm really like, I don't know. But I will say, for the most part, All the places that I did not want to attend because I would have had to travel by plane to get there. Once I got there, God had people there that I needed to meet. It never fails. Hands down, he always had people there that I needed to meet. Whether I needed to meet them because I had to give them a word. And most of the time when I'm leaving, I don't know what... The majority of the time when I'm speaking, I don't know that I'm giving a word to someone because to me, I'm just talking like I know there's things that 
if I put it together for my own conversation, well, this is what I want to say, then I know is something that I wanted to say and I wanted to get out. But in the process of me speaking to people, I could just have a regular conversation. And before I know it, I'm off on a tangent talking about something else that had nothing to do with what our conversation started with. That's how he usually works with me. And I would say if I've traveled three times, two and a half out of the three times that I traveled, I had to say something to someone and I didn't know that I had to say it to them. And it doesn't come on me like, oh, I got to say something to this person. Like I said, it'll just be a regular conversation. It could be the waiter bringing my water to the table and we'll just and I'll just say it could be thank you or we'll say whatever. And the next thing will just lead to the next thing. And before I know it, we're having this having this conversation and I'm saying these things and that I can see from the look in their face that what I said is something that they needed to hear. So that's how I usually know, because the look in their face is like, where why is she talking about that? Or how does she even know anything about that? And at that point, I just keep talking because I just get out whatever it is that I need to say. And then I just let it go because I know, okay, that's the reason why I had to come here. But I say all that to say, when I traveled, I traveled earlier this year in April to a a, a conference. And I really wasn't sure what the conference was going to hold for me, but I went. And it it turned out to be n- nothing as what it was advertised to be. Nothing, when I say nothing, absolutely nothing the way it was advertised to be. But the group of people that came with the same thoughts that I had, like, oh, I don't know if I should go, but let me just see what it's about. We were all disappointed, yes, but the connections that I made there were connections that had nothing to do with what was going on there. Like if, if we just think about it like, oh, okay, I know, I know this person from, say if it was a pancake convention. It wasn't a pancake convention, don't get me wrong. But I'm just going to say, I'm going to use that as the example. It was a pancake convention, and we all go there because we like to eat pancakes. But we get there and they're serving waffles. We're disappointed. A waffle is not a pancake Yes, they both can take syrup and fruit and or whipped cream, but they're not the same. So if you're a pancake eater or a pancake lover, you don't want a waffle. Uh, You just don't want a waffle and you definitely don't want French toast. But so we get there at this pancake convention and we're all disappointed because they're serving waffles. But in the interim of them, because we all love pancakes, we were all there for the same thing. But now we're talking about Steak and eggs. Steak and eggs has nothing to do with pancakes. But the fact that we bonded over steak and eggs, we didn't bond over the pancakes. The pancakes brought us together, but the bond was the steak and eggs. And that's what usually happens when you go someplace and it's something that your spirit leads you to engage in. And I say that to say that's what happened when I I went to that convention. I met people, two people in particular, that we bonded over the steak and eggs. And it's like, now we're talking about, you know, grilling steaks on all different levels, all different cuts. It just expanded to something totally different, which had nothing to do with the pancakes. And I say that to say, with millennials not going to worship services, they're missing out on a lot 
of interaction and even understanding that they need in their life. Because if they're working all these long hours and they are the most stressed as the, as the, um, the, the story stated, then it, it's not good. It, it's not, it's not going to be good for them. It's definitely not good for their children because they have nothing to pass on. How are you going to, how do you teach someone a life lesson if you don't know the life lesson yourself? What are they, what can you reflect back on? Um, hold on, I have a caller. Caller, you're on Hello. the air. Good morning. Yes, can, I can hear you. I hope you can hear me and there's not too much distraction. Um, to answer your question, there's a couple of things I want to hit on, but I couldn't do it because I'm on my way to church. So I'm going to get this in real quick. Forgive me. Number one is we're in the middle of spiritual warfare. And if you're in the middle of spiritual warfare, the first thing they do on any enemy side is And that's the key. So the millennials are being separated with the games and the jobs. And even on the jobs, this email, they don't even talk to each other. I'm going to have to call you back um, because there's going to be other talking. I do apologize. I will get back to you as soon as I can. I okay. Apologize. Thank you. Thank you. So with what she was saying, the little bit that she said, the caller, that we're in the midst of spiritual warfare. And we know this is the last days. And it's funny because when I hear when I hear myself saying that, oh, we're in the last days, I remember growing up, that's all we used to hear. We're in the last days. We're in the last days. And I'm sure the people before that, the people that were saying it, they heard it when they were younger. Oh, we're in the last days. We're not. But literally, we are in the last days. It's it's growing. It's coming to a close. And it just makes me think of when she said that we're it's spiritual warfare because first Timothy. Now, I'm going to quote something from the Bible. First Timothy four one says. Now the Spirit speaketh expressively that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's the King James Version. So it's, it's even stated in the Bible that during the end times, people were going to turn away from any form of religious instruction or any form of religious beliefs. So it, sta- it stands clear that things like that would happen. So it's just, um, it, it's just something. Oh, so another listener just sent me a text. I guess from what I'm talking about, they went on the internet and they wanted to find it for themselves. See, I told you it's a hot topic, people, hot topic. 12 reasons why millennials are leaving the church or why millennials are over the church. It doesn't say they're leaving. It says 12 reasons millennials are over the church. Like, please. It's like they're waving their hand and they're walking in the other direction. So they said, now I'm going to tell you, this is what the, this is what the caller sent to me. Um, what, what is the reasons why? They're saying, according to the study, that only 2 in 10 Americans under 30 believe attending church is important or worthwhile. 59% of the millennials raised in the church have dropped out. 35% of millennials have an anti-church stance, believing the church does more harm than good. <laughs> I laugh at that. 
I, I laugh at that statement because there's been times that I've felt the same exact way. Hold on. We have a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I'm back. Yes. Um, to continue what I was saying, separation is the first portion, division, because nothing, anything negative, domestic violence, um, enemies against enemies, you separate. You have more strength when you separate the people you're trying to conquer. And in so doing, they're not talking to each other. You're not talking to each other. The communication can't get out. Christianity is about communication. If they can't get it out, who's going to hear it? They have to hear it. So if they're not speaking it because they're not together, nobody's going to hear them. It starts, the millennials were in colleges that started with uh, theology, knocking down theologies and building up the the astronomical and the geology, you know, the, the zodiac science and stuff like that, that's big in college now. And as silent as it is, they're really trying to knock down religion because a lot of campuses won't allow them to have clubs on the campuses. So in doing that, you start them from going to school. They were trained at home to go. They're pulling them away by the time they get to college. And then when you get to the job, people don't talk, like like you said, the video games and the different things they're doing. All isolation. You need to recognize it's all isolation. We've got to pull our children from that. Again, I do apologize that I'm not in an environment that I can actually speak to this morning, but I wanted to get a word in to let you know that your show is great. I love your topics, and I wanted to really get to this one, but again, I'm in a group that's going to church, and I apologize, but I hope you have a blessed day, and that's what I wanted to contribute to your show this morning. Thank you for calling, and thank you for the information that you shared with all of us. Okay. Have a blessed day. You too. Bye-bye. So, so what they were saying, yes, it's true. It is about the isolation. So here's the list of the 12 things now that I've gone through as the, the caller. Oops, we have another caller. Caller, you're on the hey, air. Good morning. This is Carlene calling from Virginia. Hey, Virginia. How are you this morning? All right. All right. This is a hot topic. And looking at um, some of the, what the other caller was talking about, about faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God, um, in the article, 12 reason, Reasons Millennials Are Over Church, uh, it was odd to me that it comes from uh, recklesslyalive.com. So that's questionable to begin with. But some of what I've heard and some of what I've read, um, based on that article, they're, they're, sick about he- they're sick of hearing about values. Yes. Right? So that means that being held accountable being held responsible to your actions or your doings or your things or the things that you're saying, the, the behaviors that you have. Right. Um, they, they, in that article, talks about helping the poor is not a priority because it's a me generation. Everything's about me. Right. Uh, they want to be mentored and not preached at. Right. Right. So when you actually go to a church, you're there for um, Hearing the word, doing the word, because, of course, James 1 and 22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So when someone doesn't want to hear uh, or to be preached to, then you're deceiving yourself because you it's not just mentoring to tell me, oh, it's nice that you, I want you to learn how to do this, I want you to do that, but to be convicted of the things that once you learn the word, you now know the word, you're accountable to doing better for yourself. Right. Like it says in Proverbs too, where they said there are ways that seem right unto man, but 
at the end, it, it leads to death. So that goes along with what Correct. you're saying, too. Correct. And so um, they are the, they also in that article talked about stop talking to us unless you're actually going to do something, right? So in Second Timothy 4 and 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and complete it. Um, patience and teaching. Young people don't want, they're not, they don't have patience in my opinion, and they don't want anybody to tell them anything because they figure they can get it online or looking through their phone or things of that nature. So that's just my little contribution today, but I just found it so strange that, you know, the 12 reasons millennials are over church comes from the uh, recklesslyalive.com. So that, that's yet to be expected. <laughs> so the show is a great thing. I'm hot on the topic trying to listen and write and try to figure out what I'm going to say, but I think it's because they're not taught, they have nothing to teach. Mm-hmm. And so the world is in times and days. And like you said, when, when you start to say it versus your parents and your grandparents telling you, get yourself ready, always stay ready and stay in the word and know God. The, the thing that I am grateful to my grandmother for is she was never one to preach or tell you what to do. She would always say, read that scripture to me and tell me what that says. So when you read it, you heard it, you were convicted, you were like, dag, you know, I can't do that. Now that I know what it's supposed to be, I have to learn to do the right thing. But these days, they're not accountable, they're not responsible, and they're not in a place where they can learn I'm in a place for me to do better because it's all about me. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for this opportunity to to chime in. And I know you only got a few seconds left, but I had to get it in, honey. I had to get it in. (laughs) And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I love when you call in. Have a great one now. You too. Bye-bye. So now with the two callers that we had, yes, when you sum it all up, and now we're, we're getting down to the last 15 minutes of the show, But when you really sum it all up, it has a lot to do with don't tell me anything. Don't show me anything. As a friend of mine said, I was talking to a friend of mine, say, about two weeks ago. And he said that he had made a statement to his son about just a hairstyle that he was wearing, a particular hairstyle he happened to be wearing. And when he made this statement to the son, the son was like, don't judge. All the father did was ask a question. Oh, well, you're wearing your hair like this now. And the son automatically became defenses like don't judge. It's that same thing that that both callers were stating, the separation. No one wants to be told what to do. No one wants to be. They're saying. They're saying. Teach me and mentor me. Don't preach to me. Okay, so. If I wanted to teach you, even in my coming out to teach you, if it comes across that you don't want to hear it, it can then turn into I'm trying to preach to you. So it's really in their own mind. They really don't want anyone to tell them what they can and can't do. They want to do anything that they want. They want to do themselves. It's a, well, how could you tell me and you've messed up? And they're so quick to point out, well, you didn't do it right. So how are you going to tell me I need to do it right? But if you really think about it, if I didn't do it right, that's how I can tell you that you should do it right. Because I've already walked the road where I messed up, so I don't want to see you mess up. But in their mind, they're like, well, you didn't do it right, so there's nothing you could possibly tell me because what do you know? But that's not the way you should look at it. You should look at it as, well, maybe they're telling me this because they know they messed up, so they don't want me to mess up. And not saying that you have to follow everything as it's laid out, but 
you could at least give it some thought. Like, you know what? Maybe they have a point there. If they went down that road, then it could be some knowledge and truth that they're talking about because they already know what they're talking about. But for the most part, it's just the world today, everybody's into self. Everybody's into self. Everybody's, it's all about me. I only want to take care of me. I don't care if you can't get it for yourself. Too bad. You know, try to get it any way you can. And that's the scary part too. Try to get it any way you can. Nobody just, nobody wants you to just try to get it any way you can. You you can't get it any way you can. That is just, you just can't go like that. Um, so with all that, it's it's a lot. It's a lot that we have to do. It's a lot that we have to uh, think about. It's just a whole lot. And I don't know where we can start to get. And it's not. And to me, like I've always said, it's not religion. It's relationship. And I think once it starts being put across to people as relationship and not religion, then it becomes easier for people to listen because religion for so many years has been used as a tool to oppress. It really has. It'll make you feel like you're less than it when it's taught improperly. Let me correct that. When it's taught improperly, it will make you feel like you're less than it'll make you feel that whomever is giving you that word is superior above you. Whereas that's, that wasn't the purpose of Jesus telling the disciples to go out and spread the gospel. That wasn't his purpose to have them go out to beat people over the head, to make them feel that they were inferior. That's not what he wanted them to do. He wanted them to go and spread the word so that others would know that they could have life and have it more abundantly, that they could have life the way God intended for them to have life, not to be burdened and carrying all this extra weight and stress as the millennials are now and all this strife and just constantly in a state of not knowing and confusion. That's not the type of life he wanted us to live. To live. So with that, yes, we do need to be able to if we preach relationship over religion, whereas religion will have you following a set of rules and relationship will have you getting to know the God that created you, it's a different feeling. It's a different feeling when you're getting to know someone that you know loves you and cares about you and wants your best interest as opposed to someone who's just there to, to dictate to you and tell you, look, this is what you have to do or or else. No one wants to live in a state of or else. Because like I always say, with without choice, people feel like they're backed into a corner. You feel defeated. So if, if religion is coming at you with the, you better do this or else, that doesn't really give you a choice. Because it's telling you, follow me, or else it's no good for you, or else you're going to die. Okay, yes, at the end, yes, the end result could be your death. But there's another way of putting that story out there. There's another way of getting that message across without making the person feel like they don't have an option. And that's what we need to do when we're talking to people, just even to get a clearer understanding where they're coming from. The first thing we need to do is listen because we need to hear everybody's story because we all have stories and not the excuses. The stories are different from the excuses. 
Because the excuses they're they're putting out there because they don't want to do better or they don't really want to change the situation that they're in. So they'll give an excuse. But if someone has a story, someone can have a legitimate story. And just in that story, at the end of the story, they're like, there's the question, you know, which direction do I take? And that's where when you talk relationship with people, that's where it becomes so important and so crucial as opposed to talking religion to people. Because if I feel like I'm at a crossroads and I don't know what to do, but I know I don't want to keep going back to where I came from, then I need to be able to give an an option that seems viable that I can follow, not an option like, well, you better follow these rules or else. Because if I feel I'm coming from rules, if I feel like I'm coming from a set of rules that I could not live up to, regardless of what, and the rules could have just been in a household, the rules could have been at a place of employment, the rules could have been at a learning institution. If I feel like I'm constantly coming from a place where someone is constantly giving me rules, not teaching me right and wrong to show me, but just constantly beating me over the head with rules. If you come to me with religion, which is giving me another set of rules, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be interested in it. Not at all. Why would I be interested in that? I'm it's like jumping out the frying pan into the fire. Why would I want that? But if I'm coming from a place where it seems like no matter what is happening to me, everybody's just telling me what I should do, what I should do, what I should do. Instead of showing me, you know what, this is what this is probably the road that should be taken. And this would be the way you get there. It's like somebody asking you for directions and you they ask you, okay, where could I find? um, Do you know where the Starbucks is? Yeah, the Starbucks is the coffee shop. That's on the corner. Okay, the Starbucks is the coffee shop that's on the corner. What corner? How how many corners? You know, it's like, which direction to get to that corner? You have to do more than just say, this is what you should do and that's it. It should be like, like they said, they want a dialogue. And I don't have a problem having a dialogue. But if they're saying they want a dialogue and they want to be mentored and not mentored and not preached to, then they have to come with an open mind that there might be some things that I'm going to say that you're not going to like. There are going to be some things that I'm going to say that it just may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. But in you feeling uncomfortable, that lets you know that there's something within you that possibly you need to change. Because usually if someone says something, well, I know just for me personally, if somebody says something to me and it makes me feel uncomfortable on the surface, unless I really think about it. No, it could be something that they're saying to me that's making me feel uncomfortable because it's just off the wall. And it's like, well, what's wrong with them? They might be weird. But I'm talking about if we're having a serious conversation and they're talking to me about me and they say something to me and it makes me feel uncomfortable. Then it's something that. Or if it's making me something that would make me get defensive behind it then I know it's something that I need to think about just to explore within myself. Well, why did it make me feel that way? And that's something that I need to to search and and figure out. But we had a really great show today. And this topic we could go on forever and talk about. And I'm sure in other shows we'll always come back to because the topic of life is continuous. So there's never a show that once I do it, that was the end of it. And there's no more 
talking about it unless it's I'm talking about something specific like a hamburger or something. But if it's a show that where we're talking about life and just the different components of life and how we can live it and how other people may react to how we want to live it, just the way we think about it. Yes, it's going to be an ongoing discussion. And I must say, I really enjoyed this topic when I was reading up about it because I was really surprised when I came across it because I never really thought about it. Because some things, you know, you just go through your life and you just don't think about it. And I had never really thought about this topic. But after I did the research and I really looked in on it, it was quite interesting to me. And the more I got into it, the better it, it became. So, and I also want to thank the listener, the two listeners that called in. It was great, the information that they gave all of us as to why this is happening. And I liked the fact that she had sent me the um, the link. And like she said, it's coming from reckless.com, uh, reckless living or something. But, you know, they put the titles there out there, I'm sure, because they want to attract the attention to the articles. But the 12 reasons that they listed, they were very important reasons. I mean, it was actually stating why they felt the way they felt. So I'm grateful for that article. I'm grateful for all the listeners. I know I didn't give out the number today because I got so engrossed. I have to remember to do that. The call-in number is 718-928-9732. I think next week I'll stop, start off the top of the hour when I do the housekeeping. I'll give the phone number. I'll give my uh, address so that you can send me information because some people are a little gun shy. They don't want to call. They might just want to send me a text and say, well, this is what I'm thinking. And then I could say it over the air, but I will do all that next week. I'm, this is a work in progress. You know, I'm going, I'm getting better and better. The more I do it, it, it's becoming really exciting to me. I'm starting to get a little more comfortable being on the air, speaking with you guys. And, um, there are some things I'll make note of to make sure that I, I cover them next week. Like I said, with the house, I'll put it in the housekeeping portion and um, giving out the phone number, giving out my Twitter address. But I just want everyone to know that I want them in my last 60 seconds. I want everyone to have a blessed week. I thank God for all of you that tune in and listen to me. I thank God for what you're doing. I thank God for what he's doing with you in your life for you. And I just want everyone to be blessed. I want them to have their best week as it comes comes forward. You know, this week, stay warm. And I want to say we're all here. Like I always end my show every week. We're all put here for a purpose. We have to find out what it is. And this show was created so that I could assist everyone in figuring out what their purpose is so that they could live life more abundantly. I just love all of you, and I want to thank you for being here, and I will speak.